Today, we're talking with breakthrough strategist and mindset expert Kelly Ruda about effortlessly pulling wisdom out of clients and helping them battle imposter syndrome so that they can finally take the next leap in their happiness and success. You definitely don't want to miss this one. So don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back. How do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. We've got an awesome, awesome guest. And before we dive into that interview, of course, I just want to update you, let you know the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, 700 U.S. ratings, over 1,000 global ratings on Amazon, so much enthusiasm, and I really am grateful and so excited and overjoyed by the wonderful feedback on the book. I'm so happy to know that it's really connecting with people, and I read every review, so thank you so much for all those five-star ratings reviews. I could not be happier. Uh, Guys that have not checked that out yet, you can always go ahead and go on to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That'll take you straight to the Amazon listing where you can get it in Kindle or paperback or audiobook format if you prefer that. And of course, anyone that wants to check out my YouTube channel, that's also past 700 subscribers at this point. Really excited about that. Uh, I appreciate every last one of you. And uh, I'm really excited about all the YouTube content I'm putting out right now. It's all Law of Attraction related. It's all in support of that book. And again, it seems to be really getting a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of positive response. So I am really excited about that. With that said, I'm going to waste no more time here. I'm going to switch mics and we're going to dive in with our guest of the day, Kelly Ruda. All right. Today, we, we've got a really awesome guest. Breakthrough strategist and mindset expert Kelly Ruda is a former clinical psychotherapist with over two decades of experience who now helps women elevate into the 1% by disrupting themselves to create a powerful identity that matches the business outcomes they desire. Kelly believes that when anyone creates abundance and success, they also create a massive healing impact on a global level. And while she takes a multi-layered approach to the way by which she serves women across the world, one of the main ways she does so is through teaching them to create strategic personal mastery so that they're confident, brave, and as she puts it, in command as they scale their businesses to seven figures and beyond. Uh, This is going to be, I'm sure, a really awesome conversation, and I can't wait to dive into it. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Kelly Ruda. Kelly, thanks so much for being here, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Andrew, I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. And you know, it's it's interesting because um, we were we were having a bit of our pre-talk before we dove in, and I'm paraphrasing. You probably said it in a way better way, but you pretty much said that you're not a, a surface-level conversation type of person, and no. um, you're not the one that. And I'm throwing these words, and you're not the one they want that cocktail party where nothing no. of substance is really being discussed. You like to dive deep, which I'm assuming is is a huge uh, piece of of what your process is as you're helping your clients. Yes. It, I, the joke is, you know, don't bring Kelly to cocktail parties because I don't care what designer you're wearing. I don't care where your shoes are from. I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff, but you might catch me in the corner with the one person who wants to talk about some really deep thing over, a, you know, a martini. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that, that is my process. The, the program and the journey I take women through is very deep. It's really intense. And it's, 
you know, life and business transforming, the joke is I'm allergic to surface. I just <laughs> not good at it. I really, I admit it. Um, so yes, I like to have deep, meaningful conversations where, you know, you just feel connected where you feel seen, where you help the other person feel seen because that's one of the most transformational things we can give another human being is the experience that they were actually seen. Right. Now, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I want to ask you again, you've got, um, you know, a clinical psychotherapy backgrounds and you're mm-hmm. talking about people being seen mm-hmm. based on your experience, based on what you've seen. Is that something that comes intuitively? Is that a skill that people can pick up? Is there a way that people can actually intentionally do that in service to others? 100%. So I think for some of us, and it's those of us who end up sort of being attracted to helping professions, there is a bit of an innate ability. I can remember being 14, 15, 16 years old and being that person that everybody came to with their you know, issues, problem of the day, you know, and, uh, and I realized, and also a high school counselor helped point out to me, this is something just innate to you and your personality and a gift you've been given. But then I went through lots of education to learn how to turn that into a solid skill set. So even if that's not a skill that comes to you naturally, if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. That is absolutely something that you can learn how to do so you can deepen the experience you create with your clients. Mm. Now, you know, on that note, again, obviously we're, you know, there's a wide gamut of of people listening to this, Um, people familiar with me, of course, people even familiar with you. Mm -hmm. What is, if such a thing exists, what's an easy tip for someone who wants to start to go down that path that they can try when they're trying to make someone else feel seen? Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing, and it is often overlooked, uh, this will not be some wisdom bomb that nobody's ever heard before, but it, it, it really is, is overlooked all the time. You have to learn to listen with the intention to hear, not with the intention to respond. Mm. And that is something that so many people do not know how to do. They listen and they're in their heads, either triggered by something or getting into problem solving mode or into positioning themselves as being seen as an expert to the other person. Really what you need to begin with is listening with the intention to truly hear. And what I mean by that is you're connecting on a different level with this person. You are reaching for what they're feeling. You're listening for the problem underneath the problem that they're telling you about. Uh, you are reaching in yourself for the question under the question, which is just a very common coaching skill that you have to develop. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I would say is really important. And the second thing, which comes from psychology but is used in coaching all the time, is the skill of mirroring, which is very simply being able to repeat back without judgment, without reactivity, what you heard the other person say to you, and then ask them for any corrections. This creates both the experience of 
the speaker saying, oh, this person is actually paying attention to me, is actually listening and attempting to really hear what I'm saying, but it also gives them the opportunity to correct human error. And we are all going to hear via through our own lenses, our own personal lenses. And so there's always human error. So when you mirror back to somebody and then you say to them, what did I miss? What did I get wrong about this? Mm -hmm. It gives them the opportunity then to say, oh, actually this little piece right here you missed. And it deepens the connection and it deepens the opportunity for conversation, for coaching, for change, for whatever it, you know, it is the intention of the conversation. Wow. You know, Kelly, I gotta, I gotta tell you, it's, it's amazing to hear you choose those two specific points because like for me, besides this podcast, like everything that I've been doing for the most part has been my law of attraction book, which has mm -hmm. nothing to do with this, but mm -hmm. someone did recently take me on for like consulting for them because they want to start a podcast and they want to find the best way to interview their guests and, you know, really have engaging conversations. And you basically gave a paraphrasing of two points that I've been giving them. And I love that first one. It's, it's about list, you know, you gave a specific attention intention, but it's any kind of intention you listen to. Like with me, um, when I take on guests, and this is what I did in my, like, as I consulted with this, I listen with the specific intent of imagine this person has been hired by me and this is my chance to pick their brain and learn from them mm -hmm. rather than try to shove my opinion down their throat. Mm -hmm. um, and also the mirroring part, I also do that, but for the different purpose, my mirrors where oftentimes I'll take a slight leap, not too controversial because I like to be accurate, but I take a leap in my paraphrasing because that invites them to either say, oh my God, you are so on it, or it invites them to correct it in yes. a way that I would not have thought to ask in the first place. Yes. So I love hearing you describe this of how you advise people and hearing that one, I'm doing it the same thing in my way and two, that I'm giving that advice to others. So it's always good to have that confirmation that it's really sound. Oh, good. I'm glad that's validating. And you know, interestingly, that last point that you made is something that I do all the time. I say to clients and to be completely transparent, I held back owning this and saying this for many, many years. I am a highly sensitive, highly intuitive person. Mm -hmm. And so I get a lot of information about people and situations. I'm not quite sure how I know them. I'm, it's just my intuition. And now I openly tell people, I will infuse this into the feedback that I'm giving you and you have full permission to correct me on it, to say it doesn't resonate and to release it. Uh, but most of the time it's dead on. Mm -hmm. And that is really helpful in, because it's very validating for people. It occasionally is a good laugh. They'll say, are you psychic? And I say, no, <laughs> I don't <laughs> identify as such, but you know, I'm just very sensitive to people. And it used to be frightening, but now it's really something that uh, takes my work to another level. But I think the permission piece is, you hit on this without saying it, permission-based consulting and coaching is really, really important. Mm -hmm. So the person we are coaching or consulting, you can say, hey, this is the way that I'm going to interact with you and feed you, you know, information and whatever. But I, you know, I'm asking your permission that I do it this way so that I, I take this leap or I do it in, you know, I, I use my intuition or I use 
my best guess or whatever language you want to use, but that we ask permission of the people that we are coaching and consulting to get into that relationship with us, knowing that that is how we do that, not forcing it upon them. Mm, I love that. And you know, I think, and I'm, I'm sure you'd agree, but please feel free to correct me if, if you don't, but this is like, this seems to have applications in, in other areas. Like even just like in a relationship, if you want to communicate with a, a spouse or a partner, and it's about like, you know, I hear you're, you're yelling at me and I hear you saying this. Am I, am I true? Am I accurate? Or is it something else? You can get to clarifying to the matter very easily and very quickly in that way. A hundred percent. And most people will tell you they do this better in one world or the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I do it better in business than I do it in my marriage. And that's where I am constantly striving to do better. I have clients who say, I do this so well in my relationship, but in business, I just struggle. So it's really important to understand this is just a learnable skill and transferring it just requires practice and self-awareness and a commitment to do it. So it's normal if any of your listeners are saying, oh, I do this over here really well, but not quite so well over here. That's okay. It doesn't mean that you can't get better at it. You absolutely can transfer it to the other area of life. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you're predisposed to one area, but because it's almost a superpower, it's easily, you know, trans transferred over if right. you just put throw in a little bit of effort and you're a little more intentional. Right, right. And being intentional and mindful and making the choice to do it is the key because in the other area, say for me with coaching, it's just what I do. I don't think about it. I just mm-hmm. do it. But in other relationships, I have to think about it and make the intentional conscious choice to yes. practice that. And that's really the differentiator. Gotcha. Now, quick question, because this will help inform where I take the, you know, the next question. But obviously, you know, you are geared specifically for helping women. Is that, um, you know, just a a market decision and a choice that you resonate? Or is it something where guys do come to you, and you take them on if you seek them out? Or just to stick with women? Like, what is your approach in that regard? That is a great question. So uh, I will say this, everything I teach is applicable to both men and women. I chose, when I was a psychotherapist, I saw men and I saw women equally. When I got into the quote unquote coaching industry, uh, what I saw was an immense gap in the percentage of female owned seven figure businesses. Mm -hmm. And so I made a commitment to design content and programs and market them specifically to women to try to narrow that gap. I feel very strongly that when women are at all of the same literal or figurative tables as men, the outcomes are much, much better. And research shows this across the board, whether it's in corporate or it's in STEM or wherever. Now, I've taken on several men as private one-on-one clients, but I do very little of that because I love it, but it's not really scalable. So for me, helping more people is the most important thing. And so I am really focused on helping women. But if men come to, say, my Facebook business page and they listen to a live stream I'm doing, they're going to get the same benefit as women. Where I take it one step further 
is that women, especially in Western cultures, we receive a lot of cultural messages that men do not. And so there are certain things that women have to address that men don't. And I do talk about a lot of those things in my, my programs with women. And that part wouldn't relate, although it's very helpful for men to know that women get messages about power and visibility and assertiveness and wealth and success that they don't get. Mm. Interesting. You know, it's, it's so funny because I got so many things out of that answer and I'm always trying to almost cherry pick for the entrepreneur who's listening. Sure. And just to, to highlight one thing to, to mirror and paraphrase you, <laughs> it, it sounds to me like all, like a key for all this and a key to hopefully making more of a power behind your message and, and a power of impact that you're doing and, and scaling it in that way is this is mission based. You've chosen yes. a specific mission and, you know, in this case, it's geared around women and it's not saying no to men, but it's, it's going with a specific outward focus in a certain way because that fuels the way by which you do business. And it also, I imagine, fuels the ease with which you grow and expand. 100%. You absolutely nailed it. And again, it's not for lack of love for men. I married one, I birthed two. So I, I love men. It's not an issue with men. Mm-hmm. It's just that the gap for in the terms of having a highly successful business exists in a much larger way for women. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel strongly about being a contributor to narrowing that gap. And so, yes, that is a mission that has turned into a vision that has turned into marketing and programming because filling that gap, I really believe is beneficial to everybody, not just to women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also, I, you know, for me, I kind of see we're, we're living in a world right now where there is a certain growing resistance to the idea that men and women are different in any way. But I mm-hmm. would assume that for you, there's also an easiness because when you're making products or you're making services or you're making offerings, the, the language patterns that you're that, that you choose are easier because you're only trying to reach one specific gender, yes. which I would imagine has a different reception of of certain words and certain language patterns and certain culture. Uh, 100%. And it it's almost, you know, when we talk about niching down in our marketing and that being a smart strategy, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's like that. So I work with women, but I don't work with all women. I work with women who are at six figures already, who want to grow a mission and vision-based business that not just takes care of them and their families, but that allows them a surplus of uh, profit that they can then direct towards organizations, agencies, charities uh, that they're aligned with mm-hmm. and that they have seats at those tables, whether it's you know funding a political campaign or it's working with a nonprofit, whatever it is that lights you up. So that absolutely drives the language. Mm-hmm. And so my background is in clinical social work. So my heart wants to help everybody, but I'm a business owner. And I understand that when you go into it, trying to help everybody, you end up helping nobody. And that really defeats the mission and purpose of me having a business. Yes. Now it's so, you know, again, I'm, I'm always listening really intently and I'm listening to different things that, that stand out to me. And, you know, we've got this situation where you're, you're working with women that are already in the six figure area. 
And also, you know, as I read in your intro, you know, this is about creating strategic personal mastery so that they are confident, brave, and as you would put it, in command, yes. which tells me that there are women, sure, men as well, that, that reach a six-figure level that will still have confidence difficulties and difficulties in, in bravery and difficulties in being in command and in control of what they feel their destiny is. Is that something that you're noticing as you take these clients on? Without question without question, across the board. And a big part of it has to do with, actually, let me back back up just a couple of steps. So when you made the comment about, you know, men and women not being different, I think there is an argument about that because we see differences at as equating with something negative. Yes. I think the differences between men and women are to be celebrated, yes. as are the similarities to be celebrated. We have to stop equating difference with bad. That's mm-hmm. number one. But Women do have very specific experiences. And again, when I say women, I don't mean all women. The clients that I'm working with, they're very ambitious, they're very smart, and they've had a lot of really negative experiences because of those two things. They've been told, you're too loud, you're too opinionated, sit down and shut up, you're a bitch, you're, you know, all these kinds of things. So as you go to scale your business, you can hustle to a hundred grand. Let's just be straight up. You can hustle to a hundred grand. You're not going to hustle to a million. So if you're coming in at a hundred to 300 grand and you're comfortable and things are nice, but your vision and your intention and your mission are calling you forward to grow a larger business so you can serve more, you are going to have to do some serious work on the internal, the mental and emotional things and the brain wired things that are holding you back. For women, it's quite often visibility. Increased visibility is very frightening for a lot of women, whether they have trauma in their history, uh, sexual, physical, emotional trauma, or they have just heard over and over again, you're too loud, you're too loud. You have too much to say. You're too opinionated. Sit down and shut up. Um, and you have to understand also going back to us being young, most boys, not all, but most boys get a very different quote unquote playground message than most girls. The message to boys is get dirty, fall down, skin your knee, bleed, get a scar. That's a battle wound. That's courage. That's brave. That's awesome. Most girls get a message. Don't get dirty. Don't rip your dress. Don't run around with the boys. You might fall down. You might get hurt. So it really impacts risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. And to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to have a high degree of risk tolerance. Now, you're describing something that happens when they're really young in their formative years. Yes. Which I'm sure is, we're talking about something that gets deeply embedded. Yes. How do you go about unwiring that, for lack of a better term, so that they can then open themselves up to a more confident, more visible way of being? Yes, that is a fantastic question. And that's what's baked into the program I have. So you have to work at this in a multiphasic way, meaning most people who do mindset work do conscious level work. They're working on your thoughts. They're working on your conscious beliefs. They're working on uh, positivity versus negativity. 
Uh, they're working on time management and productivity and all those things are really important. But if you don't also at the same time or within, you know, on the same journey, work with the unconscious mind, which, you know, in pop culture, we call that the subconscious mind, but in psychology, we call it the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. If you don't work with what's wired in there and then the brain pathways that are created as the result of that wiring and then how all of those things come together to create your decision-making patterns and your behavioral habits, you are not going to create complete transformation. So when I work with women, you know, for nine months, week in and week out, these are the things we work on. We work on the conscious mind. We work on the unconscious mind. We work on your ego. We work on your, you know, your inner critic. We work on dealing with guilt and shame and fear and anxiety. We work on how you make decisions and then we work on how you create new habits. Mm -hmm. That is multiphasic. It is holistic. It's a 360 degree approach to completely transforming all of that so that your actions and your business mirror your talents, your gifts, and your also speaking of law of attraction, you know, that your, your, vibration is at a level that's going to attract with more ease the paths, the opportunities, the people, or even just kind of what you call your divine downloads to help you get to where you want to go with your business. Wow. You know, (laughs) on that answer alone, I feel like I might have to try to uh, finagle you into coming on my YouTube channel about law of attraction and giving this perspective because there's absolutely I'm there with what you just said there. I am there. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We'll we'll arrange that afterwards. That that is awesome. And, you know, also hearing hearing what you're saying here and also hearing that these people are already in the six-figure zone where, you know, as you, I think, accurately said, they've hustled their way into it. Mm -hmm. I imagine one of the biggest things that you deal with and that you encounter is imposter syndrome. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. That is, it's such a huge factor. And, you know, I wouldn't say that men don't encounter that. I would say that the way men have been told to respond to it is different than the way women have been told to respond to it. So there are studies that talk about how when men, for example, go in for uh, to ask for a raise or to apply for a job, they overreach without much doubt or question about it. When women go to do this, they are more likely to talk themselves out of it, even though they are likely overqualified. And so women deal with imposter syndrome, I think, more often than men. Uh, We hyperanalyze ourselves. We tend to be highly self-critical. And we've also received this message as early as the playground on some level, you can't handle that. You can't Mm -hmm. handle the rejection. If you're in the online space, I hear women say this all the time. I don't want to be more visible. I can't handle the haters. I can't handle it. And the truth is, yes, you can. You just need a new skill set and you need a new set of beliefs about what handling it is and means. But we have to undo more than a lot of men have to undo in that mm. area. So imposter syndrome syndrome shows up all the time, all the time. 
cool. Now I'm, I'm going to preface this next question with, I guess, a, a loaded reply. Um, <laughs> one, I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that there are outliers. So there's probably men who yes. just heard that response and they're like, what the hell is she talking about? I deal yeah. with this all the time. Yes. Well, I also imagine that there are people that are dealing with it unconsciously. They don't even realize they have it. They yes. don't even realize what that nagging feeling is under the surface. That nagging, like, like something's off, not realizing it's because they're experiencing that. With those two pieces in mind, and also with the fact that you said that for the most part, without the outliers, in the outliers in a general sense, men and women respond to it differently. Mm-hmm. You give different advice on how men and women should deal with that if they have identified that it's a problem. I give different advice, not necessarily based on gender. So mm. I give different advice based on the individual Got because it. E- whether you're a man or not, you, you know, you're going to have your own unique individual life journey that determined the beliefs you hold that are empowered and the beliefs you hold that are limiting in nature. And what I'm saying is gender is one factor in the quality of, you know, those beliefs that are hardwired in, but it's not the only factor and not everybody struggles with imposter syndrome. So that might not be a relevant obstacle for you. If it's not a relevant obstacle for you, but your business is not where you want it to be, the question is, what is the obstacle then? Because Mm. there is one. It's not that you're not smart enough. It's not that you haven't, you know, put in the work, at least in my experience, the people that I work with have worked hard, probably overworked themselves. They've often burned themselves out. They've taken the courses, they've invested in the coaches and the masterminds and all the things, and they can't understand why they aren't where they desire to be. And the reason is almost 99% of the time, the reason is because your conscious mind and your unconscious mind are not on the same page. Mm -hmm. So if you have, for example, a conscious belief that you are deserving of success, that you're smart enough to create that success, that you're good at what you do, that you're capable, but unconsciously you have a belief that goes against that, we are wired such that the unconscious mind 99% of the time, occasionally you can will yourself through it, but 99% of the time we will default to the unconscious mind. And so this, this is why people get stuck or they have this experience of, I hit the gas, I hit the brake, I hit the gas, I hit the brake, or I'm on the hamster wheel and I can't get off. And none of this is making sense because I've tried, I've launched, I've created products, I've studied, I've done all these things. I don't understand why this isn't working. Mm. And it's not because something's wrong with you. And it's not because you're not capable or not deserving. It's because they don't teach this in school. They don't teach you this in typical business coaching programs. You're not going to learn how to rewire your, your brain and you're not going to learn how to reprogram your unconscious mind to get it to match what you consciously think. Now add on to that, Andrew, anybody who's struggling with conscious negativity, where you're, you know, beating yourself up every day, or you're dealing with shame over failures, or you have a lot of self-doubt about decision-making, and you're really going to find yourself experiencing stuckness. Mm -hmm. And that is what I help people change. Got it. Now, we don't want to set any false expectations or, or set any um, 
situations where people like they have to live up to uh, an impossible standard but no. you know what's a good i don't say best case scenario but a, a positive case scenario in terms of the time that it might take for someone to like to line up their conscious and subconscious in a way that they're really aligned with what they need to do and can move forward into success and happiness and fulfillment that's a great question and it's really hard to answer and here's why because i can teach you how to do this but whether or not you decide to do the practice consistently uh long enough to help your brain rewire i i like to say that uh and you may resonate with this with law of attraction the universe can bring you anything in a holy instant, but the human brain takes a little bit longer to get on board. Mm. So our ability to perceive something so we can actually receive it when the universe brings it to us, that takes a little bit longer because the human brain takes a while to rewire. I have seen, and even with my own self, because I did this on myself for a long time before I ever, you know, used it with clients, I have seen myself rewire beliefs that I had for, gosh, three decades in six months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then I've, re I've seen myself rewire ones that were a little less sticky, as I like to call them, a little less deeply rooted in 30 days. Mm. I've seen people, you know, put an entire year into it because they had so many that were so deeply rooted from trauma or dysfunction in childhood, it took a bit longer. Now, that doesn't mean along the way you're not seeing results and you're not feeling relief. It right. just means that to get to the point where this no longer resonates for you at all, it depends on your individual experience and it depends on how consistently you do what you need to do to help your brain get on board with your dreams and your desires. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I think an important thing to note here is let's say it was six months. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you start on day one and then on the six month mark, all of a sudden it, it poof, it's better. It's like there is a yeah. progression yes. where it gets better and better, meaning there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, but there's light before then. And it's it's about understanding that and embracing that and that'll hopefully carry you along as you move forward to the conclusion of it. Absolutely. And that is part of building my, your mindset muscle mm -hmm. is that as entrepreneurs and even in life, we have to stop being so hyper-focused on the, the measurable ROI of everything and the arrival of everything. And we have to start getting a lot more interested and dialed into the journey of what is happening uh, as I go from where I am to where I want to be. And there's so much pressure on the outcome and the arrival that people overlook the journey and then they can't repeat it. Hmm. So one of the things I focus on with my clients a lot is we celebrate everything, every win, every change, every transformation, small to large. And what did you do? What did you think? What did you change? What, how did you respond instead of react, which is the, the core to being in command of yourself that allowed you to experience this? And I asked them to speak it out loud so that they become conscious of it and they realize, oh, actually, I would have missed that altogether if, I, if you didn't ask me that question and ask me to think about it and speak it out. Because if you can't, if it's not replicable, what's the point? What's the point? 
That means that once you leave my program, the results stop. That's not what I want for you. I don't want to create codependency. I want you to come in and learn this and learn how to turn it into a habit. So when you get out of the program, you're just doing this on your own. I love it. It's about 80% of that answer. Again, I I want my audience to know, I'm probably going to use that for the teaser clip for this interview. And I'm saying that because I think I want people, they, you know, listen back to that specific answer, if nothing at all else, because I think Kelly, you gave really wonderful insight and, you know, just about navigating life and doing it in a way that really guides you towards success. So, so, I mean, thank you for that answer in particular, but thank you for this whole conversation so far. Oh, thank you. These are my absolute favorite conversations. And I always think to myself before I hop on an interview, if just one person walks away with an aha that they're willing to take action on, not just sit with the little dopamine hit from the aha, but that it really drives you to do something about it, then it was a thousand times worth it. Nice. Now, I don't have uh, much more for you here. Um, I did want to ask one question, and I don't want to give away your secret sauce. And (laughs) I don't even know if this is a fair question, but given the understanding that, you know, you've got new listeners that never heard of you listening right now and, you know, people that are aware of you listening right now, is there any kind of overall general high quality tip that you can give for people that they can do right now to get themselves on a path of eliminating blocks or getting to a better place of confidence or ease or mm-hmm. bravery or mastery or that feeling of in, of in command, as you put it? Yeah. The, one of the biggest tips I would say for business owners, entrepreneurs is you have to, let me simplify this. You are not going to elevate your business unless you commit to elevating your mindset. And we absolutely have to stop treating strategy and tactics as if they are the be-all, end-all drivers of results. They are not. The major misunderstanding that I see in the entrepreneurial world is that it's strategy and tactics that drive your outcomes. It may look that way, but the truth is you are the driver of everything. So if you don't invest in your own development uh, that addresses these things, any kinds of blocks, whether they are conscious and you're aware of them, whether they are unconscious to you and you're like, I know something's there, but I'm not sure what it is. Or you know you have habits of being and doing that are not working for, for you. That will touch every business decision you make. Every single strategy, every single tactic, every single pivot, everything you do. So unless you start investing time, money, and energy in the, with the same um, sort of vigor and commitment that you do your strategy and tactics, you are not going to see change. That's the one thing I would challenge people to step away and with really radical honesty, ask themselves, have I been treating the mastery of my own self, the growth of my own self as a a business owner, a CEO, a solopreneur, however you identify, have I been treating that with the same seriousness and commitment that I've been treating the development of my strategy and tactics? Awesome. If uh, if people want to connect with you or get in touch or, or learn more about you, Kelly, what is the best, where's the best place for them to go for that? 
I love connecting with people. So the best place to find out more about me or connect with me is on social media. So you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Instagram, or you can reach out and find out more about the company and what we offer at Kelly Ruta, which is spelled with a T.com. Cool. And I'll, I'll throw those links on the interview page um, for people to check out as well. And, you know, last question just to go away with, I, I often ask my guests some version of this, but if you can go back five, 10, 20 years in the past and give any piece of advice to a younger version of yourself, what would that advice be? Oh, I love that question. And there's so, there's so many. Uh, I would say probably this. Play the long game. Always be in it for the long game. The short game feels good. It's great to have short-term wins. But if you really want a business that creates impact and legacy for yourself, your family, your community, the world at large, you have to be committed to play the long game. And that is a mindset that requires a real shift and I would have told myself that ages ago, ages ago. And I'm glad I learned it, but I wish I had learned it earlier. I love that. That reminds me of a story I heard about Dan Kennedy, where even after he had made it big and was you know, multimillionaire and mm-hmm. money was coming in like clockwork, mm-hmm. he made a commitment every single day to do at least one thing. <clears throat> whether he was answering an email or like whatever it was, he did at least one thing per day in service of his business and growing it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I don't care how far removed you are as a CEO from the kind of delivery side of it. Don't ever step completely out of your business so that you don't have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. It'll keep you connected to people. It'll keep you connected to your team, but also it it will remove that danger of you being disconnected from, you know, the long game and, and the plan and the strategy and the vision. Love it. Kelly Ruta, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for sharing your insight and your experience and giving us, you know, a, a perspective that I think is going to help a lot of people listening to this call right now. Andrew, this was such an awesome conversation. I applaud you for asking deep, explorative questions and, you know, for taking this conversation where it went. And I I can't wait to share this out with my followers. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much again, Kelly. That was an awesome, awesome interview. I really appreciate it. Guys, you can go ahead and check out her links. Again, I've got that on the interview page up at ShatterTheModPodcast.com. You'll have your ways of connecting with her if you want to touch base. And of course, you know, quick reminder, if you want to check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, you can just go on to LastLawOfAttractionBook.com. That'll forward you on over to the Amazon book listing, or you can check out the YouTube channel I've got going. Again, 700 plus subscribers strong. That's YouTube com slash Andrew Cap. With that said, I'm about to head on out of here. But if you haven't done so already, now might be the time to hit that subscribe button, leave a quick, honest written review and stay tuned. I've got more awesome guests on the way, maybe even tomorrow. You never know. So be on the lookout for the next one and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan.
My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. 